where we discuss horror movies featuring children because parenting can be scary and kids are definitely creepy i'm josh and i'm daddy i'm carol i'm mummy this week we're talking about the 1979 david cronenberg feature the brood mm. <laughs> i have a i got a little recap courtesy of our friends at itunes it's I, a it's recap time. It is recap time, and it is a very little recap about the movie. Oh, it's just a little one? As the trauma of one couple's divorce escalates, the city is terrorized by a series of attacks by disfigured children, directed by David Cronenberg. Huh. I think we need a longer recap. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I got another one of those for you. Um, this one comes courtesy of Ed Sutton. That's E. Sutton at MindSpring.com. It's from IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, the place for all your movie needs on the Internet. Thanks to Internet Movie Database for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to Ed Sutton's recap. A man's wife is under the care of an eccentric and unconventional psychologist who uses innovative and theatrical techniques to breach the psychological blocks in his patients. When their daughter comes back from a visit with her mother and is covered with bruises and welts, the father attempts to bar his wife from seeing the daughter, but faces resistance from the secretive psychologist. Meanwhile, the wife's mother and father are attacked by strangely deformed children, and the man begins to suspect a connection with the psychologist's methods. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. Is that from Howard Shore's theme? Apparently his debut as a film composer. Ah. Well, Fascinating. Bravo to him. What a great job. What an illustrious career. You know, I think that it is that he did do a great job because I didn't specifically notice the score. And I I like that. I like I a score it. that's unsettling but not noticeable. Not distracting. Not distracting. Yeah. Like your, Jer- your Jer- man Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith's movies. You're gonna, oh, God. You can get be let into a lot of behind the scenes stuff in our life and relationship, including the, um, I don't know if it's a, it's just a running, I guess, enemy that you have is Jerry Goldsmith well, and the scores of Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, the scores of Jerry Goldsmith, they are just totally, they beat you over the head with how you should feel in a scene. Where everything is basically just like uh, a person falling down a set of stairs while uh, to a xylophone going down <laughs> a scale, right? That's like... <laughs> um, so The Brood, I have to admit, I love this I love this movie. We, this is one we've seen before several times, really. We have. At least a few times. Mm-hmm. We've shown it to people. We must have lent our copy out because we had to rent this mm-hmm. on the internet. But we used to own it for sure. Yep. I remember the orange DVD cover. We did not have the Criterion Collection cover. I doubt the person that we lent it to is listening to this. But if you are. Send it back. Yep. Send it post haste. (laughs) Send it in the Uh, mail. If So this movie, though, this was our first time I realized watching it as parents. Oh, yeah. Like, and which. Because we don't. As parents, you don't really rewatch anything. No. That's not a thing you do. You no, barely no. get to watch anything at all. You try to move forward, not back. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
I mean, it's it's one of those little luxuries that goes away when you're a parent that no one really talks about. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure there are some people who do rewatch things, but right now the amount of content right now, I mean, the golden age of television. Mm-hmm. Like there's so there are so many things that we'd like to watch that we just can't and we I think part of that is parenting, but also like we were never really like bingey um, viewers anyway. And I think you have to kind of be to keep up with the level of content right now. But anyway, it was nice to rewatch this movie. It wasn't um, like as scary to me as previous viewings. I think just because you are like, you do know, but I remember the first time when I saw it, it was terrifying. (laughs) Oh yes. I've, I have on several occasions called this either my favorite horror movie or like the scariest movie I've ever seen. And I yeah. don't like it. They just, there's something about bald faced creepiness that is like scares that happen in the light of day. I find the scariest of all. And I think, and this one is spine tingly dingly in that respect. Yeah. I'm so excited for some of the movies we have on our list uh that josh hasn't seen because i think in general i i seek out and watch more scary movies than you do that's absolutely true that's why you know i'm on this journey with you i is that there's i like scary movies but at the same time i will often say especially if we go to the theater i'll say to myself why am i doing this to myself i always like them but it is always (laughs) like what what price fear i don't know like why uh, yeah, it's like the uphill of a roller coaster. It's like what? what? Yeah, what have I done? What have I, I got to sit here for how long just to be scared <laughs> <laughs> on purpose? But I'll do it. I love it. It's uh, and this is one of my favorites. So it was interesting. Yeah, rewatching this as a parent and through that lens and really like digging into it. I mean, and the way and I also it is nice to rewatch things to actually like more fully absorb them. And I do think it was easier to pay attention to the plot of this film, which uh, all the best film critics of the late 70s hated this movie. Uh, Fun fact, it turns out. Really? Yeah. Roger Ebert, your Leonard Maltin, your, I don't know, those two guys really loathed it. Scrum. Yeah. And it is weird that like, you know, they both called it like some version of like, this is just like, it's just like revoltingly disgusting. Oh, well, come on. You're watching a Cronenberg film. Well, it was 1970. Like, he only had two Whatever. or something. So, like, but it just seems like, really? It's not really, you know, even... It's actually not. By those, yeah, by that time period standards, it's not <laughs> David really. Cronenberg was like, oh, this is nothing. <laughs> yeah. You don't like it? Well, guess Wait what? Wait till I make Naked Lunch. And there, you know, there was, like, a grim aspect to this that, like, I certainly didn't appreciate as a prior to being a parent, which, is you know, is all the, like, how alone the child candace is you know the movie center around around a family you got frank who looks like a hunky canadian lane price from mad men hmm. um like I thought a kendall he looked like, version of him i kind of look like he, uh, i kind of thought he looked like a brunette robert redford mm. but i mean not like he's not a good actor no he's, he's not like a, a bad actor he's, he's like not, a soap opera actor yeah like he's he was fine. What would you call a Ken doll in Canada? Would it be a Kurt doll? <laughs> well, yeah, sure. <laughs> he's 
That guy, his name he's is... He's another ju- Just for Men hair ad. Another movie we're watching. Yeah. Guys with just great mops. That's true. And he's also, yeah, he's just like a... Yeah, it's like another beefy, successful dad who's not great at the dad part of the dad thing. Detached dad. Okay, so let's get into this movie. As you heard in the recap, the premise of this is this, uh, the mom is in this really extreme therapy by a hot new psychologist on the scene with his new book out about psychoplasmics, psychoplasmics, which they never really get into but I'm fine with that. Like, I don't want to know. Like, the name isn't enough. I don't I don't even care how this all happens, like the logistics of no. it. I don't want it. I don't want to. I don't need to know. And I think in the 70s, it's probably pretty par for par for the course to just have. It's just like, yeah, it's another guy with a book and he's doing a show. Because, like, he does these therapy sessions. Like, there are, like, demonstrations open to the public at, right. like, the theater in the round he has at his home I mean, studio. It's funny because this guy, if you were around this day and age, he'd just have a podcast. You're saying he'd be competition? <laughs> he would just have a like self-helpy podcast and he'd have all these followers. Yeah, or probably a YouTube channel because you'd want to show oh, right. all the sores and stuff that you're that you're milking out of your patients. Right. So, so it is it is basically this therapy where your emotions manifest themselves. Um, physically, which is just so wonderfully Cronenberg, but you don't see it coming. And so the first thing that I feel like we should talk about is, hey, good job parents in seeking out therapy because it's so important to take care of your mental health. Now, the mom, uh, Nola Carveth, Nola Carveth. New Orleans, Louisiana. Nola for short. Wait, is it Nola? No, that's Nala in The Lion King. Yes. Never mind. It's her mom. <laughs> so Nola, I mean, she is going through, she's in crisis. So although it was good of them to seek out this therapy, um, I think maybe it was a bad choice to pick the guy who has isolation and like, I don't know, like magic shows as Yeah, his, that's it. It's either you know, isolation or you're on stage. Yeah. None of this seem like particularly fit to being helpful. And, but it is also, it's later revealed that like she was also in some look like in a convent or some other like religious sort of institution. She was just in like a one bedroom room, like a dorm right? with said for the first nine months of Candace, their daughter's life. So she's probably been institutionalized her entire, at least since having children. Oh, right. You liked that line where um, the dad, Frank Carveth is like, I got married and I was so normal and I married crazy thinking my normal would rub off on her. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, was that was the line. Was like, it, and I, I, and I'll tell you. I mean, I guess the reason why I liked it is because I do think that there's a tendency for that, like it gets at a, a very common theme in a lot of marriages or having when people have children is that where is mm-hmm. normalcy as a problem solver or like whatever I'm using air quotes no one can see, but like that 
the idea of like, oh, you know, you have kids to solve a problem. You get married to solve a problem. I think like, well, this we're arguing, but if we just got married, right. then we everything would, would be fine. It would just, just fall into place. Yeah. yeah, it'll just settle in. And no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Lo and behold, no. Instead, you you infect Toronto with your uh, <laughs> with rage babies. So th- that's the yeah. I mean, the ultimate issue here is that they're. I mean, you just spoilers, right? Everyone's listening. To this has hopefully seen it. That you're <laughs> there. Are, there's yes. or that you just don't care. Um, there are these uh, humanoid, like childlike monsters that are essentially at Nola's direction her the direction of her subconscious uh, lashing out at the things that are causing her pain and so the whole movie is just you know you don't know who, what these little rage babies are that look like demented versions of candy the real daughter they're going around killing people um in their family and their circle and you don't know what they are um, until almost the end um, of the film. Yes. It's not explicitly said though. It's, it's, it gets leaned into at different points when they autopsy, they catch one. I think that's also a great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Is that the first murder is Nola's mother and the grand. So this is the grandmother who uh, Frank leaves candy with the grandmother while he goes to in to go have a conversation with the with the psychologist right that's like and right and it kind of or he has to go to work he's just going to work he's going to his job site maybe oh yeah he's yeah. like an architect or something yeah. so yeah he he's at work that time at that mm-hmm. point but it is kind of um you're kind of finding out at the same time you're going back and forth between uh nola in therapy with dr raglan and she's manifesting her rage against her mother who abused her and detached dad leaves candy with the grandmother i mean he's got to know that the grandmother was abusive he's got to know that why would you leave the kid i mean the just the general disregard for candy's well-being the main thrust of this movie is about how the mom has all these rage issues and it's all on her basically it's like her rage babies and her you know her issues that she's working through and yet one of those issues is her father being detached and like letting her mother abuse her um and i think that this is the first time watching this film that i realized how the dad is also the villain like he is so detached and and it's again it's like the cycle of violence playing out exactly what happened to her you know as happened to nola has not happened to candy that like regardless of murderous rage babies uh, that there's that the nola's father was sort of absentee he didn't stop the mom Mm -hmm. from who by the way the act the actor who plays the grand the grandmother mm-hmm. uh is probably the same age as the two as Nola and Frank. Right. I know that was as weird. An actor, like totally like hot grandma. And there's a <laughs> She was weirdly young. 
weirdly young and just knocking down straight bourbon. Canadian club whiskey, <laughs> right. I assume. Yeah, club like whiskey, while she's hanging out with Candace, who's, I don't know, 10, 9? If that. No, she's like first grader. I oh, think. right. Because she's in no, she's kindergarten. Oh, yeah. She's just tall. That's what I was thinking of. Tall drink of water, six foot five. <laughs> um, and yeah, just drinking a lot of straight booze. He sees her doing this, totally just like, it's like, okay, cool. Well, I'll see you after work. Like, I know, style of the times, things have changed in the last 40 years, but it is. Uh, right. But I think now, I don't even think that this was part of the the film at the time like what he he intended i think the intent of this movie was all about women but like through the lens of like 2019 it just seems like it's really the dad's fault like a lot of this is the dad's fault oh yeah you know you're yeah like the the silence is deafening kind of like is Mm -hmm. your that 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 complacency and the lack of actually being a voice or being like yeah. you know uh being an advocate for right. victims is just is just as bad if not worse because like you like you let this infighting continue over generations and not right. so so the grandmom is juliana the, juliana the grandmom she is the first one to get attacked by these rage babies that's right. The first time we see the brood as they are later yeah. to be known. But it's just one. Just, just one. see one. Oh, my God. Just trash in the kitchen, knocking over that box of shreddies. <laughs> grandmom's nightmare. Grandma, Any grandmom's nightmare. And you just, and then kills hot grandma with a meat tenderizer. Yeah. So. My hair still stands on end. I'm serious. They're just like watching the appearance oh. of those little monsters. I don't know oh, why. Yeah. It's so scary. Um. So I, I just want to point out that grandmoms can be crazy. This one is crazy in her own way. Um, That's nice. <laughs> in her own like abusive alcoholic. She's not that way to candy. She's not harming candy. But um, no, because like her enemy has been in prison. Like, you know, like right. she had some God, I would never want to watch the movie of nola's childhood yeah it's like mommy dearest so next just time. just to be <laughs> just to point out she's not harming candy but um you know she has her own issues clearly most grandmas are crazy in other ways just like uh you know that they love their grandchildren so much you know mm-hmm. my mom just sent me tonight sent me um it's like a it's a photo of someone else's phone. I don't know. These things end up on Facebook or Pinterest. And it says, you know your grandma when you used to get angry at your kids and now you laugh when your grandkids do the same thing. Right? Oh, that cuts to the bone. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was very appropriate for tonight. And it's true, though. That's, you know, that's how grandmoms usually are kind of just cuckoo with love for their grandkids. Grand memes. Grand memes, yeah. Previous to this, my mom sent me, um, again, a a photo of someone, of some other screen or someone's phone. And it's a Are child. Are you seeing an entire phone in this photo? Uh, you can see, like, the like, battery of, you know, battery oh, life. Just a screenshot. This is a screenshot from someone's phone. Um, 
or yeah, her own. No. She probably screenshotted she, her own yeah. phone because you didn't know how no, to forward no, 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 the original message. No, 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 it's not a screenshot. It's not a screenshot. It's like someone took a photo of another, of a meme pulled up on another person's phone. So okay. anyway, So anyway, she sent me another one of these. It's a child wearing a t-shirt. It's it's a lot like dope shirts for sale-esque, right? Oh, shout out dope shirts for sale. If you don't <laughs> you follow dope shirts for sale on Instagram, please yeah. do. It says five things you should know about my grandma. Number one, she is a crazy grandma. Two, she loves me to the moon and back. Three, she can't control her mouth. <laughs> joking goddamn Four. grandma can't control her goddamn mouth but she looks at the moon and back here's a christmas ornament yeah. Four. she has anger issues and a serious dislike for stupid people oh my god your mom's just cackling about that oh, sweet to the moon and back that's her takeaway number five mess with me and they'll never find your body. Oh my god. <laughs> I only Oh, and then she texted after that just saying. Just saying. <laughs> uh, my my mom is a grandma who's crazy with love for her grandkids, but that was an aggressive t-shirt. That's a that is all on a t-shirt. It's on a t-shirt. So we could all have that. I don't see any reason we couldn't infringe upon that t-shirt and make our own Mummy X Daddy t-shirts that feature that sweet list on the back. Another weird part about it is that in number five, it says, mess with me and they'll never find your body. The T in they'll is capitalized. I don't know. Oh, the gods will never find your body. It's so dark. Blast you to the <laughs> netherworlds. Uh, I just... Beyond the sight of all sights. <laughs> Uh, cool. <laughs> so, grandmas be crazy. Grandmas be crazy. <laughs> Is in so many many layered ways. I mean, it's that whole that whole thing of like, well, that was the that was the past as like a cop out for like everything's fine now is like a really challenging thing to navigate as a as a parent in between a grandparent and a grand child because you're still like all right well i still gotta like raise this kid and you're acting as though nothing ever happened when clearly like yeah you were violent once but i'm not talking about your mother talking about right julian from the movie but like you know it's it's again detached dad just yeah oh and also big time shitty parenting bailout that happens after that scene right where he uh so oh the grandmother's killed they go to the police yeah uh, and and he's like where's my daughter and they're like she's fine she's with the police psychologist and he's like okay and just keeps talking like mm-hmm. if this were your child i would not accept that she was anywhere but right by me you know yes and then the and especially then the psychologist comes out and it says like she was in an abnormally deep sleep because she was upstairs asleep in the bed that is so oh that's like gut-wrenching and you just know that like you know there is something to be said like candy is so calm and i think later the cop calls her oh says uh, is in that scene says like the kid was like cool and says a little too cool i thought 
you know, it's like that's his big like uh, detective skills there. It's like she seemed like a cool customer after the murder of her grandmother. A little bit yeah. too cool. It's like, yeah, she's been horribly traumatized. Right. By... There's no there's no regard for this kid. Yeah. From no from no authority figure. And uh, yeah, I do think if this was being made now, even if like it would be almost more like Matilda style, like it would be far more from like the child's perspective about how these like villainous adults more so than like. Yeah. Or it would be, yeah, and that she would, well, maybe we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, but that there was, oh, the shitty parenting bailout. So after all that, right, like it says, you know, these things express themselves one way or another. Then later on, they're back home that night. Why not? That Frank is tucking candy in and says, want to tell me a story about what happened today at grandma's? Immediately the phone rings and he just goes, you go to sleep now. And he leaves. <laughs> he leaves and goes to get the phone. Uh. That's it. And it's just like, what a, you know, it's like, oh, you are so close to doing the right thing mm-hmm. in this scene, doing what you can to give your child the space to actually, to try to express their um, emotions after right. a trauma by saying like, why don't you, you tell me what you felt? Cause they know all this stuff. They're obviously seeing it's not beyond her yeah. reasoning. And then to just be like, eh, no, instead go to sleep. I'm out of here. I got a phone call to catch which i believe he misses the call anyway and that's that then the next day Mm -hmm. the absentee grandfather is is back in the picture oh i do have something else about the absentee grandfather's arrival actually that i wanted to talk about so they go to the airport he's like yeah you probably don't remember your old granddad or whatever and me like picks up candy and is like holding her which i'm also like oh god people you don't know this guy you don't like frank doesn't have a relationship with this man don't, he shouldn't be carrying your daughter and like be and like especially after all this stuff like you gotta ask a kid you have to ask and like yeah. make sure they're okay with being touched let alone picked up like yeah if someone just picked up woo or boo i'd be i mean boo would probably be i'd be fine with i'd it, be number but. five on the scale of uh grandma's <laughs> top fives um you would never find that body. Uh, <laughs> there's the, the, the other thing is like, he starts talking about serious stuff. He starts talking about the murder and all this other stuff in while he's holding the six year old who witnessed oh, the murder man. as if she's too fucking dumb to know what they're talking about or right. something or like grownups are talking. You'll, you know, like that is, this is a big thing with us and our mm-hmm. parenting, how people, teachers, friends so everyone mm-hmm. almost everyone talks about children in their presence as though they're not there or about things that they don't think that kids can understand but they 100% do and oh, yeah. it bothers me like i feel um i always feel like an asshole when this happens because i'll immediately involve woo in it and just say our 3 year old which by the way my sister was like, we should say woo like that. <laughs> instead of woo. Maybe we'll uh, ADR a little extra ghostly sound underneath <laughs> it every time we say it. I Yeah, I, I usually like just turn to him and start kind of just involving him. And sometimes he's playing and sometimes he's not paying attention and it's okay. But mm-hmm. it's so strange to me that children are generally disregarded. Yes. Always. Almost always. Um, no exception in 1979's The Brood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so did you have anything else to say about the grandfather? No, uh, no, no. You can the continue. brood kills 
him. Brood, ki- Brood kills him shortly thereafter, yes, and with then, a snow globe to the head. And the dad um, was on his way over. Frank was on his way over to the grandfather in, in the old house, in the grandmother's house, where I guess they all grew up, the child at home. And uh, Frank was on a date with the kindergarten teacher at the time. Yeah, she's over the house. And so he immediately... Yeah pins babysitting duty on her again great self-aware moment when hot teacher asks about says like oh, i guess you're asking me to babysit calls out this right. thing you're like you're you want me to just stay here with your child while you go do whatever dumb macho thing your right absentee so, father-in-law wants to do with you so he gets to the house um after the granddad is killed and he finds the body and then he <laughs> sees one of the brood and gets attacked but manages to yeah. get away he manages to get away and then like basically the um the brood like runs out of steam that's right because she had already killed killed the, the target the, the target, target was the grand her father right the right because they say in the autopsy later as they what they find this this rage baby <laughs> rage daughter i should say they're not babies um, they rage son. They, well, they don't have genitals. Oh, that's right. They don't have genitals. They don't have a navel. They've never really been born. To, to anybody who doesn't have, like where you also can be born without a navel as a human. How? It, it either, well, maybe you can't be born without one. I thought mm. it was just sort of like the your skin can sort of like heal over it. Ugh. I know a guy, a guy named no. Bill Coyne, who has no belly button. No. Yeah, he's a friend of my dad's. Sure he's not a rage son? Could be a rage son. Slow-burning rage son. He's got to be 70. <laughs> right, because, well, he's got a big sack. <laughs> he does. He's got a big hump. <laughs> yeah, big so hump they... sack full of rage. <laughs> so basically, they they discover all these things about the rage offspring, that there's also a sack that they're, yes. that it's like kind of like a, um yeah, like a hump or like a, like a, like what they little, say some protein pouch yeah <laughs> like um, the county corner yeah. seems like very cool explaining all of this oh yeah by the like way. As, as though you wouldn't be like losing your fucking mind as yeah. a doctor and you're yeah. like, well it's clearly never been born hmm. yeah never born to in not yeah. any way that you and i would recognize it maybe doctors that come across medical oddities all the time and we just don't know many doctors out there listening come across medical oddities please uh give us a shout tell us your story so anyway, the dad, whatever, like gets, gets out away. He gets out. He gets away because it's coming out on top of all this. Can we talk about this this scene though, like where he's in the house looking for the dad, and we and while the brood is still alive? Oh yeah, sure. That you also made a case. You said this is the case for a clear shower curtain. <laughs> Full disclosure: we have a clear shower curtain in our bathtub, and we always will. We always will. Unless we have a door that well, I can go see ahead. through. I've always, okay, I've never wanted to have, I don't know, the shower curtains that you can. An opaque shower curtain. Like. Um, with a fun design around it or something. Yeah, all the, all the shower curtains with designs. And then there's like the liners that are clear. I always want just the liner because I don't want this to ever happen to me where either I'm in the shower or I think there's someone in the shower, tub shower situation. And I have to throw open the curtains. Every single time you use the bathroom, swing it open. Fuck no. No. Just clear shower curtain. Hey. Sure. Hey, this is what you get. You knew this when we got married. You know, because 
I guess I knew I was buying into being, a, we just, we never talked about the reasoning for it until. This wasn't what you thought. That's not what I thought this was about, you know? <laughs> we only have one bathroom. Wait, you didn't know that. Of us. We've talked about that. That's the reason. I mean, probably. Yeah. But. I've Because, you know, when I lived with other people in college, we had designy. Sure. You have, uh, you have maybe devil ducks, uh, little rubber ducky I devils. Think were, you have. I think they were gnomes. <laughs> sure. You have, you got your gnomes. Um, <laughs> but you're having none of that. And so, well. And we all know having a fabric shower curtain and a shower liner is disgusting and should never happen. That is, that's a given. But like, yes, I don't even understand that. People have that. It's basically like having a like a curtain from your for a window. <laughs> it's like and having then plastic inside. That's it. on the level to me of having like the um the like furry carpet toilet seat cover. Oh. <laughs> yeah. World's grossest bathroom includes the following. <laughs> Carpeted toilet seat, matching carpeted foot thing. In this bathroom scenario, it would also have to be within no less than one step from the shower because it would always be wet. <laughs> and it would also have a fabric shower curtain, moldy shower liner. Ugh. That's it. That's the worst bathroom. Maybe like a... Pubes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so um, these after the, after the autopsy... And they've, you know, they well, think. I wanted to just oh. say one thing. While this is all happening at the house, the kindergarten teacher, Ruth, is, at, is babysitting. Oh, yeah. And the phone rings, and it is Nola calling from Dr. Raglan's isolation cabin. Yes, the Somafi Psychoplasmic Center. Right. The, the mom is like, Who's this? Who are you? You're trying to sleep with my husband. You bitch. You bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and she's fantastic. She's like just perfect casting. Um, yeah. And the kindergarten teacher is like, I won't even dignify that with a response. Like just getting all all huffy yeah. about it. And and I we were just talking about how like this could all have been avoided. So many things. So many things could be avoided in tragedies. <laughs> If you just could say the most important thing instead of the thing that you just want to say that makes no sense. Yeah. Just you, cut, you don't you know, stand on ceremony here. You obviously know the situation. You know that this woman is in a, in a mental you know facility. This family's going through a rough time. Do you really need to like put your two cents in about like clearly she's unstable? How about I'm babysitting? Okay. I'm a trusted family friend because I'm yeah. also her teacher. So right. yes, I was asked to babysit in an emergency. Well, joke's on you, Ruth, because guess who's coming for you next? The brood. Two broods. Two this time. And now it's like, because you've done, we've been through the autopsy, we know exactly what's up. And I love that kind of scene personally. Oh, the resolution of we've seen what these, now we know what this thing is and now you're seeing it again in action. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. it Again, broad daylight they go into the classroom and the only people in this movie who seem to have a consistent regard for candy is the brood they take her into a little room and put her there Mm -hmm. well that's because nola wants to protect her baby right right but i mean but they do a full-on mob move like they just like kind of body her into the bathroom they just sort of like two the two broods come up and like grab each grab an arm basically they're like you go in here they come back out 
Yeah, but it was nice of them. They didn't That's have to true. Do that. No, they don't. As as rage monsters, they don't have to do anything that anybody tells them. Well, they have to do what Nola tells them. But they full on kill hot teacher right there in front of the class with oh yeah with like mallets from a little pounding bench. Yeah, things. it's wonderful. Um, so good. Oh man, those snowsuits are terrifying. The snowsuits are such a great example of what I love in horror movies, which are costumable characters. When I write my scary movies that I like to write, I always try to make a costumable character because I feel like as Halloween obsessed people. We are Halloween aficionados. (laughs) We like to have a good, solid character to get dressed up as. Yes, an identifiable, non-confusable character. You may not know who the character is. Mm -hmm, But if you know, you know, and that's wonderful. Yes, exactly. Like if we had a daughter... She would have that like white blonde hair, mm-hmm. and 100% I would dress her up in a snowsuit for oh Halloween. Oh my god, it's the Halloween costume for us. Then she could have her own, but we always usually in the past yeah. three years have done one costume that's a family costume and one that's yeah, like Wu can be whatever you know he desires, whatever he's interested writer in, writer from Paw Patrol, whatever he wants to be. Anyway, I love that. Same. And down goes Ruth. Down goes Ruth, but who comes out? Some brave, nameless child. This is one of the highlights of the movie to me from a, as a from a parenting standpoint. Is this kid runs out and gets Frank, who's talking to another parent. He just comes out screaming, "Help! Help! Help!" Which is what you should do. He doesn't freeze. He freezes up for a moment, maybe a moment too long in Ruth's case, but the but he still does what needs to be done, which is to go get help. And I think that is, it made me again, watching this as a parent, you do think about it where you're like, Oh, somebody had been taught this, you know, like it wasn't, I don't think that's an instinctual thing for anybody to be like, I'm going to run out of here and yell for help. No, if anything, it's like not just taught, but trained. Like you have to go through drill it. So it reminded me of this presentation that I went to at a friend's house Uh, who's kind enough to organize it, of Safely Ever After, Inc. This woman, Patty, goes around the country doing these presentations for all sizes of groups. There were four of us there that night, but she's done, you know, presentations for like hundreds of people. It's all about like keeping your child safe and really going over these things with your child to kind of ward against tricky people as she calls them um just like knowing what to do in these situations it's not quite like this situation in in like a classroom if something were going horribly wrong like this um but i'm sure i mean i'm sure kids have that training now in schools unfortunately but just like yeah kind of empowering your child to be the boss of their body and not be polite and know that they can't go anywhere with anyone without talking to their parents that any parent that any person who wants help from a child is a tricky person you know just all these things i mean i'm just kind of like sticks with me yeah like no no adult will ever need help from a child um just chilling anyway it reminded me of that and how you do have to like your child should know your name your address your phone number before they're allowed to like go on a sleepover i love that that. You know, like a sleepover, you know, the kind of sleepover I'm talking about, not like... Sleepaway camp? <laughs> no, like, you know, if we were to send Wu to one of our friends' house for the night, 
you know. Yeah, like a. a I'm talking a, about like a party. A, you know. Par- oh, oh. I mean, and I think even just like a parent from school. Maybe you don't right, know them. Someone that, you don't like. You don't know that well. You know right. their. You know, the child's peer, mm-hmm. and you know the parents from parking lot interactions and school functions, but like you don't know siblings. You don't know. You don't know if there's a gun in the house. Yeah. You don't know if there's yeah other like friends, family, neighborhood kids. that will be at the sleepover, like all those things that like just that, like the other X factors that you can't um, anticipate unless you ask and like teaching your child to like be on alert for some of that stuff too. At least like, yeah, to know how to respond if they feel like they're, not safe. Right. Man. Oh, Being a parent, uh, it's geez, like... It's heavy. It's heavy stuff. It's alarming. <laughs> um, but, you know, movies are fun. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I think the last thing we wanted to talk about as far as parenting goes in The Brood, because uh, after the kindergarten teacher dies, um, who was the other tar- the next target of the, of the mom's rage... Mm-hmm. The dad, oh, oh, Candy's missing because the brood the takes brood her takes back, her. takes her back to the cabin where they've all been uh, having their own sleepaway camp, um, brood style. And Frank realizes, I think that's where Candy must be. No, uh, J- Jan or Jan, whatever the, the the guy with the comb over who's suing Dr. Oh, Ratlin. Right, right, that whole thing. I love that character. I think it is great. Oh, it's great. I mean, it is. It's. it's I think it's like weirdly really funny. It's very Cronenberg-y guy. I, I think, anyway, I think he's really funny. Um, anyway, the dad comes to get says, his like, get his child. Right. And, and I was going to wrap it up. Please do. Like Go ahead. To say. Well, oh. I do have something to say about that because I wanted to talk about parenting your rage babies. Like why I want to know from a... <laughs> Like, why on earth were there? Did they have bunk beds? Why do they have snowsuits? Who was buying these things snowsuits? She's forming them out oh, of externally right. on her body when she develops enough rage to want to murder someone. Psychoplasmics has a long way to go. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm sure that Dr. Raglan just didn't know what to do. So he, I mean, it did look like they were pretty shoddily made bunk beds, like hastily made before Ikea, you know? Well, I mean, the whole aesthetic of his place kind of seemed like it was like plywood. That's true. I, I, I think he was in over his head. Fair. Didn't know how to, how or if to kill the rage offspring. But you're right. Nobody should have been buying them snowsuits. Yeah. But then it's so cold an easy way to dispense of those rage babies oh would she make more maybe probably maybe it was a way to placate the rage babies that's probably why he didn't kill him he couldn't because then she would have turned her rage on him tenfold but but unfortunately that's what happens anyway because dr raglan goes and gets candy out of the bunk bed haven (sighs) uh brood haven while frank Tries to placate Nola. Terrible at Doesn't it. Doesn't work. Because he hates her so much. Yeah, but like, God, again, really? The dad, I, he's the worst. Yep. Uh, anyway, the brood kills Dr. Raglan, which, fair. Yep. And um, Frank kills Nola and takes the candy. Back. He does. We also get to see our first on-screen birth. It's only episode two. Ha. Hey, and our first uh, on-screen 
infant licking. Yeah, that's true. You mm-hmm. gotta you're licking off that afterbirth. Mm-hmm. Won't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a uh, side podcast series. Oh. <laughs> after um, the afterbirth. Something I I always love about movies in the seventies and early eighties is that it was before some. There's there's a point in time where fake blood technology made a giant stride there's a before and an after and the before is just so bad it's basically red paint ketchup honestly yes and this super this bright. movie is in the the b the b f b before fake blood right before it's like dyed corn syrup or mm-hmm. whatever before the... it looks in any way realistic like almost to the point where it's meant to detach you from the violence yeah like that's how bad it is I do wonder if that was even part of it. Maybe. If there like, was a point where it was like, we could make this more realistic. People were like, ah, ah, ah. That will get you an X rating or right. something. Yeah, totally. How like people use fake, like clearly fake animals sometimes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Where it's like, there's no need to show a dead animal here. Yeah. So they use like clearly fake animals to kind of. Like lessen the blow. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so this is just before then. And it's always funny to me to like clock it. If anyone knows when that shift happened i would love to know yeah i'd like to watch like i wonder if there is like a if there's like a defining movie that was like no 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 you know it was like the first of its kind but as they as they leave the center which i have a question for you about that but that they leave the center the last shot we see is uh it's like oh finally we're safe well besides candy now developing her own rage spots on her indicating that she's manifesting this, you know, this outward expression of these deep feelings and this cycle of violence continues. She's not wearing a (laughs) seatbelt. That's right. Jesus. Shout out 1979. (laughs) I'd just blame the dad for everything. Yeah. Sorry, Josh. That's fine. (laughs) This one again, actually the last one too, just, yeah. Ah, the law well, favors I mean, motherhood, unf- as the brood says. I mean, unfortunately, yeah, the only other option is to then blame the mom, which is an equally problematic plot device. Do you want to say something, Monstro? Um, well, I think that the the thrust of the movie is to blame the mom. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. That, that there's all this like the grandmother was, you know, yeah. slut shaming the grandmother. Oh, she had a string of lovers. It could have been any of these people. I never met a single one of them. There's a line like that. It's like well, I just thought the the grandmother, my theory that she's hiding a deformed child in the attic, it wouldn't be the first time. You know, these are lines in this movie. And it's just like, that's your uh, great, your great detective skills is like super reductive, uh, shitty, you know, yeah. thing to just be like, eh, it's probably either sluts or she couldn't handle her. She's just hiding a deformed child in the attic. Yeah. Like you do. Like you do. So... I think that brings us to the end of the film. It does. Wraps it all up. Let's rate this movie. Okay. We've said we love this movie. Yeah, so. we have. So, all right. Well, but the, how many how many red snowsuits do you give this? How many, yeah. How many red snowsuits do you give Had this movie? Had to be. Had, Had to be. be. Um, it was either that or spilled boxes of shreddies. <laughs> I give it like an 8 out of 10, really. Same. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not... It's not my favorite. I know it is. You've said it's your favorite. I, I but have, but I don't. I don't. I don't really see it as my true all-time favorite. Mm. I but that I. It's, it's my a, favorite. You know what it is? It's 
It's my favorite one that someone probably hasn't seen. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's what it is. So it's like a good recommendation. Mm -hmm. If somebody watches a decent amount of horror movies, especially if you like this era of filmmaking, Mm -hmm. that like, I think it's genuinely scary. I think it's like well-crafted. I think it's yeah. like, it's bizarre, which I like, and mm, it is, gross. yeah, it's gross. I mean, and there are like, I think it is also important to laugh. There needs to be some, I like, I, I don't mind like a moment of levity, whether it's intention or uh, intentional or otherwise in a horror right. movie. And this is just like the kooky characters yeah. that we love. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the kooky characters kids crave. <laughs> <laughs> the, the payoff is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like when you, when she lifts up her dress and she's about to give birth or something to yeah. a rage baby. It's wonderful. So, okay. So how do you rate the kids? I mean, I would say to include the brood in this and candy, like, how do you think they did? I mean, the brood, as I've said, the brood, themselves. how many, how many white frocks do you give the, Ooh, out of 10? <laughs> yes. 10 white frocks to the brood. I mean, Candy's great. She's, she's, so, I think, so real. Because I even think her, like, sort of the calm waters of a traumatized child, that's super, seems very real to mm-hmm. me. That, like, you internalize this stuff, and it's a great counter to the true insanity of the, of the mom. And you just feel for her. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you didn't ask for any of this. You didn't ask for any of this, and you're thrust in the middle of all of it. And yeah. it's just like, I think she carries that off really well. Yeah. I think the brood does a great job, too. They do. They do. So scary. They're so, so scary. scary. And so, like, the makeup is weird, but it really works. They have old man hands. Yeah, the hands are the scariest part. So... A little bit of where are they now for you? Ooh, um, new segment. Where are they now? Um, Do you have a VH1 stinger for this thing? That's so why. Like, well, that's why I said it again so we could say. Okay. Where are they now? Where are they now? We'll put it in. Where are they now? Yeah. <laughs> right, but we'll we'll just do that. Later. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so where are the outfield now? We're here. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to you. I'm gonna say it again. Okay. Where are they now? So Cindy Hines is the name of Candy. Mm. And it's funny because her only bio on IMDb is Cindy Hines is an actress known for for the first time in 2006. Although her photo is uh, a quintessential photo from The Brood, as is her banner uh, video. It's completely obvious that Cindy Hines is known for The Brood. And not anything else. Certainly not a 2006 Hallmark Channel movie. It doesn't even have a poster. So I think that that's a move. I think that's a specific move on the part of whoever's managing that, be it her or like some Mm -hmm. other person that she's not in the public eye anymore. Um, She was in the dead zone in 1983 and a few other little things that, you've never heard of but in 2017 whoa she was in a documentary Mm. i imagine just footage from the brood or dead zone and this is the documentary a look how the a look how okay a look at how the canadian there's a typo on they no they just speak differently there 
a look how the Canadian government classic Canadian accent tax, tax incentives helped develop Canada's horror and exploitation film industry. It's called tax shelter terrors. Wow. Roger Ebert mentions that the whole reason they made this movie was as a tax shelter. We got to watch this documentary. We got to watch the documentary. So the answer is, I don't know where she is now, but I don't think she's acting. So where is she now? A documentary. (laughs) That's fine. I think the last real thing she did, besides the thing she's known for, for the first time in 2006, uh, was in 1984. So... Dang. And Dead Zone is also David Cronenberg, right? I thought Dead Zone was uh, Stephen King. I mean, it is, but I think he did the movie. Am I oh. wrong? Maybe not. Yeah, it is. Huh. But Samantha Egger, who plays Nola Carveth, and Oliver Reed as Dr. Hal Raglan, are outstanding in this movie. Oh, yeah. They're great. We both did the reverse math on like, where have we seen Oliver Reed before? I seem to remember him with a little white beard. <laughs> I thought he had a olive branch like crown on, and I was right. He's from Gladiator. Are you not entertained? <laughs> okay, so now comes our segment, Interview with a Vamparent. Oh, that's us. Do you have your question for me ready? You go first. <laughs> <laughs> you order first. <laughs> Please, I insist. Okay, my question for you mm-hmm. is... Okay. Oh, I don't have to look at my notes. Please do. If I were, if I had the powers of Nola to manifest my rage into oh rage, rage babies, mm-hmm. and for the sake of it being a more sentient uh, manifestation, the the rage babies took on the characteristics of our older child, Wu. Mm-hmm. What would the quintessential outfit be? that they would wear that's not a the snowsuit. Ooh. Yeah, like what what is that what is that little monster wearing? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um it they'd have keens on. Absolutely. Our child loves keens. Uh I guess lately shorts. Pretty into the idea of wearing shorts. Yeah. His pink um, shorts. Yeah. And because uh, if he has pants on, he just pulls them up to his knees. Yeah, he does. Well, what them. if he turns into oh. one of those guys who always wears shorts, like even if it's like 30 degrees out? I think I'll have failed as a parent. He's got the keens. Aye. You gotta have the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think the other piece would be a Lightning McQueen shirt. Lightning McQueen shirt. And perhaps. Is that it? Oh, and a Batman mask. <laughs> That's a pretty scary little rage baby. That is, but easy to spot. <laughs> if you see Batman, if you see a three foot tall Batman, hit a deck. Batman? Batman. All right, what's your question? For you? um, my question is, if I was in isolation therapy and was murdered in that establishment, and so was the doctor... How soon after would you move into that sick house? Oh my gosh. Or would you? If you were in basically if I was yeah, if there was have a, to be... if I was in a murder house and I died, how quickly would or would you not at all move into the murder house? Okay, the funny answer is like haha, I'd move in there like mm-hmm. 
Would ASAP. you really though? Absolutely not. I couldn't imagine ever doing that, and they didn't in this movie either, as far as we know. It's a great house, but I could just Beautiful make house. a better house that's not a murder house. I don't care if other people were murdered in a house. Like I don't. If somebody, as far as I know, someone was murdered in our house. I don't Never care. Looked. I do not care. I would care if you were murdered in the house. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a challenge. <laughs> I would move. <laughs> I don't, I don't really, I don't believe in anything like that. Like, I don't not believe in it. I just don't. The closest that we've come to this, which brings us to our next segment, mm. the kids are creepy, all right. Oh, yeah. The closest that we've come to this is about like a year or a year and a half ago, um, right when Wu was learning how to talk um, a lot he would talk about Ananiwa. Oh my God. <laughs> and Ananiwa, we assumed was a ghost in our house. Like he, he would, would say this name clear as day as if he was talking about someone. And, and, and like, as though we should know what he's talking about. Yes. And then we, of course I had to, I would ask him where Ananiwa was. He's extremely verbal. I think it's important to note that this was yeah. not just like, Oh, he's like, he would say a lot of, like kind of gibberish as our younger our younger child is less is less verbal it's like it's just less clear he's very communicative but less that's, well, he's that's only the word I'm 17 months old that's why josh right. he's like what he's already like more verbal well regardless the point is is that when Wu was was talking about ananiwa would have been around the same age i think no he's older well not much but in the life of a young child that's a lot he was cool. We'll go on. He was closer to two. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we would ask him where Ananiwa was and he would say like outside playing, like really like chilling stuff. Yes. And that's really the closest I've ever come to a ghost scenario. And then as oh, but time, Carol would ask, she will ask, she'll ask for Ananiwa <laughs> updates. And it <laughs> freaks me out. <laughs> but he stopped. I don't think that he either, can see that situation anymore mm-hmm. or maybe it wasn't a ghost but we'll never know or will we mm-hmm. all right god <laughs> child ghost stories anyone oh if you want to get in touch with us and share your child ghost story please do please do our email is mummy x at gmail.com and you can also find us on Twitter at MummyXDeddy. And on Instagram at MummyXDeddyPod. And if you know who has that Mummy X Deddy and how they're keeping it hidden when we search for it, you let us know. Email us. <laughs> Otherwise, thank you for joining us. you know what we're going to watch next week? I think that we should try to watch Us. All right. We'll watch the movie Us. The 2019 movie Us. Oh, that was Mean Goldwing. <laughs> I don't know if it really translated. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>